Welcome to Divine Truth Podcast with Dr. Stephen M. Huffman. Michael is a senior pastor with Emmanuel Baptist Church in beautiful Central Virginia. The purpose of this podcast is to teach and edify God's people through a verse-by-verse exposition of God's Word. To learn more about Emmanuel Baptist Church, please visit www.ebcmineral.com. And now, here is Pastor Michael Huffman. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, again, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and after you've found that, after respect for God's word, please stand as we read our text, 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, and uh, just, just kind of set in your mind again uh, where we're going and where the Holy Spirit wants to take us, trying to work our way through this passage. Uh, obviously, I'm not in any hurry, um, usually aren't, I mean, been in the Beatitudes for a sermon on the mount give me a break not the beatitude the sermon on the mount that's a long sermon uh y'all thought i was long-winded um we've been in there for a year so obviously i'm not i'm not worried about not taking my time I, I'd, I'd rather you get the information uh look at verse 10 let's read our text again beginning in verse 10 god the paul said but god hath revealed them unto us by his spirit for the spirit searcheth all things yea the deep things of god For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual with spiritual but the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of god for their foolishness unto him neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned but he that is spiritual judgeth all things yea himself is judged of no man for who hath known the mind of the lord that he may instruct him but we have the mind of christ this is the word of god let's pray father we pray, Lord God, that you would teach us your truth tonight. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you very much. You may be seated. We've been making our way through this passage over the last few weeks, trying to discern for us what exactly God expects out of a Christ-honoring ministry. Every one of us uh, in this auditorium tonight want God to have a ministry we want to have a ministry that is honoring to the lord and that kind of goes without saying with us but how do we do that well one of the ways that we do not do that is we do not bring in the methods and the models and the means that have to do with the spirit of wisdom of the world and we have seen repeatedly and paul keeps going back and keep trying to emphasize this same point that We're not here to model the world. We're not here to bring in and model the wisdom of the world because we have the knowledge of God. We have the the mind of Christ. And so he spent the first ten verses speaking to us, or the first nine verses speaking to us about what is the true wisdom of God. Where is the power found, particularly in the gospel? Where is the power of the gospel found and where is the wisdom of that gospel? And began to look together once we got to verse 10, and we began to discover that it is the Spirit of God that gives us that wisdom because He is a revealing Spirit. 
He is a revealing spirit. And he reveals to us the things, the wisdom that we need to know in regards to the gospel. All the wisdom, all the plans, all the purposes that you and I as the church need to know about the gospel and the wisdom that we need have been given to us by the Spirit. But he's not only a revealing spirit, but he's also, number two, a researching spirit. The Bible says in the, latter, in the second part of verse 10 of 1 Corinthians 2, that God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit for the Spirit searcheth all things. Folks, let me reiterate to you tonight that all you need is the Spirit of God. That's all you need. Charles Spurgeon said this, Read many good books, but be the student of one book. Read many good books, but be the student of one book, because it's through that one book, the Word of God, of what the Holy Spirit is going to be your instructor. And we saw last week that the Holy Spirit works to reveal truth to us by two means. Number one was revelation. Revelation. And we talked for a little bit last week about the fact, what is general revelation? That is the understanding that we receive from nature. That is the revelation that all men have, the, the knowledge of God that all men possess. Brother Blue and I were talking last Sunday night, I believe it was, after church, or maybe it was before, but I believe after church, talking about general revelation and the general knowledge of God. The general knowledge of conscience that we receive by the fact that God is the Creator, right? Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 20 talk, talk about the fact that God is the Creator, and because God is the Creator and His creation is known clearly, that mankind is without excuse, and that knowledge of God, that general understanding of God does not make man savable, but it makes man responsible. That's not enough information to make him saved, but it's enough information to make him responsible for rejecting that information and being sentenced to hell, right? Uh, because it's the general revelation, it's the general knowledge that everyone has. But it's not only the general revelation of creation, but it's also the general revelation of what? Conscience. Revelation, Romans chapter 2, around verse 14, speaks about that when the Gentiles who have not the law, listen to Paul's words, they're very, they're very succinct and very clear. He says that when the Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature the things contained in the law. Why? Because the law is written where? In their hearts. And because it's written in their hearts, it either accuses them or excuses them. And so again, that general revelation is not enough to make man savable, but, it's not, but it is enough to make man responsible. And the reason I keep using the language of it doesn't make man savable is because of this. Mankind cannot be saved without the gospel. Mankind can never come to Christ without the Word of God. If you do not have the Word of God, there is no salvation. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And so you're not saved by the light of creation. You're not saved by the light of conscience. You are responsible. Mankind is responsible because of the light of creation. Mankind is responsible because of the light of conscience. But mankind still needs the Word of God. He must have the Word of God to be saved. 
I attended a conference with James back in the first part of the summer. And during one of our breaks, the church was very, the church we went to up in Dale City, I guess it was probably close to there. And uh, it, was, it was a city enough that James and I fell out of place. But uh, the church was very accommodating. It was a very, very, very nice church. I mean, anybody that gives you coffee the entire time you were there has got to be right with God. It's got to be a good church. So, uh, huh? Doing something right. They give you coffee the entire time you were there and protein bars. Coffee and protein bars, the good ones. So they've got to be, they've got to be doing something right. They've got to be evangelical. But we would have several breaks throughout the, uh, throughout the, the course of the conference that we were there. And the, and the last day that we were there, we were on our first break uh, after the first session. And I was sitting there drinking my coffee and I had a bottle of water and a protein bar. And I was minding my own business. Uh, I, I promise you, Ms. Bonnie, I was minding my own business. I was trying to be good. And I was sitting there enjoying my coffee and my protein bar, and this gentleman that uh, came up to me and sat down, and we had had conversations before, and we actually shared the same hotel room with him, so we had met in the hotel lobby there uh, a few miles prior to that. So he sat, so we knew each other outside of the conference. And so my wife gave me a strange look. I had to describe, I have to identify why I knew this guy, okay? So he sat down, and he began to talk to me. And out of nowhere, he began to tell me how he got saved without the Word of God. That's what I said. I mean, what do you do? Brother Blue, what do you do? Take another sip of water? All right, I bit. I bit. Folks, listen. You did not hire... How do I put this delicately? You did not hire a Mandy Pandy. You hired a man who wants to give the truth in love. And, and, I, don't, and I don't know this gentleman's heart. He seemed like a good brother. I don't know his heart. He seemed like he seemed like he had a genuine love for the Lord and a genuine desire to want to please the Lord. But he was misled. The first thing that clued me in that he was misled, James and I learned this in the coffee room at the hotel, the first thing that led me to believe that he was misled is he said one of his favorite preachers is T.D. Jakes. I thought to myself, then what are you doing here? Because there's one thing that T.D. Jakes isn't worried about, and that's what the Bible means. So why are you here? Did I really say that? So why are you here? But that's the first thing that clued me in. And... He began to tell me how he got saved without the Word of God. And I said, brother, and I called him by name, and I'm sorry, I can't remember his name, but I called him by name, and I said, uh, the day that you asked, the day that you repented and confessed your sins and, and trusted Christ as Lord and Savior, I said, there may, not have been a, there may not have been a Bible sitting on the table beside you. I said, but this one thing I do know, that except sometime in your life you receive the Scriptures, you receive the Gospel from the Word of God, salvation is impossible. Well, that took him back several feet. He said, you saying I'm not saved? I said, brother, I didn't say that. 
I said, I do believe that somewhere in your life, I said, because I know, I see, and from what little I know of you, you seem like a genuine man. You seem like that you genuinely love the Lord. You seem like that you genuinely want to learn how to preach the gospel. That's why you're here. And I said, you seem like that you genuinely want to know the scriptures and serve your God faithfully. And so I'm telling you that it seems like to me that somewhere in your life, you were preached the gospel from the word of God. I said, the Bible is clear that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You cannot be saved without the scriptures. And he, like most people, a lot of people brought up Romans 1, Romans 2. And I said, brother, I said, you're not saved by those two things. You're responsible because of those two things. I said, Paul says, he, Paul says that the knowledge of God is known through creation and through conscience, and therefore you're responsible. But he didn't say man is saved because they recognize that there's a creator or that they're saved because they distinctively do the law of God even though they don't have the law of God, but they do it because it's written in their hearts. I said, that's general revelation. And I said, somewhere along the line in your lifetime, you receive the gospel by the word of God. Church, let me reaffirm to you tonight and restate that no man or woman, boy and girl, could ever repent and be saved apart from the scripture. Ever. Ever. And so that's why when we preach the gospel, we preach the scripture. We preach the word of God. There is general revelation, yes. There is general revelation. That's the revelation that everybody has. Even those people that will never repent and believe have general revelation. Have what we call in some theological circles common grace. I talked about that in the academy a few weeks ago. Common, maybe it was last Wednesday. Common grace. Everybody, even those people that will never bow the knee before the Lordship of Christ and never believe are allowed by God to live past the first moment of their very first sin. And God should, God could, and God would be absolutely just to condemn that person to hell after the first moment of their very first sin. But the fact that God allows them to live for another day is common grace. The fact that they're able to see a beautiful sunrise or sunset, see flowers bloom, experience love, experience joy, those are things that are common grace, that, that God shadows, that God overshadows of, to all people. And so there is general revelation. And the Spirit teaches us through revelation. And folks, understand that we as the church of Jesus Christ, we are not on a mad dash for truth. We have the truth. We have all the truth. And we seek no other truth. Because we have the truth of the Word of God. Amen? In Proverbs chapter 30, um, Proverbs chapter 30, um, beginning in verse 5, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in Him. Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. But then after, after revelation, what the Spirit uses is illumination. There is revelation, and then there is Illumination. And that, that the illumination is when the Spirit of God comes in and He informs the believer of the truth of revelation. 
The work of illumination is the work of the Holy Spirit by which the Scriptures come alive in a subjective way or an objective way to each believer. As you read the Word of God, folks, and, and, the, and Paul says here in verse 10 that the Spirit searches all things. And as you read the Word of God, the Spirit of God that is within you makes that Scripture come alive to you. That's illumination. That's illumination. The Spirit of God has illuminated your mind. We're not talking about inspiration. That's done. We're talking about illumination. Where the Holy Spirit illuminates, turns, literally turns the light on. Where we were once in darkness and had no ability to understand the truth of the Word of God, now we being filled and indwelt by the Spirit, now we read the Word of God, the Holy Spirit turns the light on, and now we see the Word of God like we never saw before. Now keep in mind that He does not supply new information. The Holy Spirit does not supply new revelation. And the Holy Spirit doesn't really supply new illumination. It may be new for you, but somebody long before you knew it already. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't supply new illumination. Because if it's new illumination, it ain't true illumination. That's, y'all, can, y'all can quote me on that one. You can put that in the bulletin next week. Kidding. But it also does not, it does not also mean instant and immediately that you understand what that word that that verse what that verse means folks listen there are some verses in the scripture that are tough to understand and we depend upon the holy spirit who searches paul says in verse 10 who searches all things and folks i it's like i want this ministry here to be like any ministry that's god honoring i want the holy spirit to be to fill this ministry I want the Holy Spirit to be honored in this ministry. When we assemble here, I want the Holy Spirit to, to fill this place and illuminate the hearts of the hearers. But we do believe, even though not every verse is clearly understood, and there'll be some passages, folks, that you will never understand, right? Deuteronomy 29, 29, we'll get to that in just a minute. But we do believe in the perspicuity of Scripture. We do believe in the perspicuity of Scripture. That is, that the Scripture is absolutely clear. The Scripture is absolutely clear. The Bible, we believe that the Bible does articulate clearly God's message. That the Word of God is not a collection of mysterious writings that require some revelatory key to unlock the spiritual meaning of their truth. And while the Bible accurately reveals and clearly communicates God's message, the believer needs to constantly study it to ensure that they understand the Word of God correctly. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, and verse 15, Paul said to Timothy, to a preacher, study. Study. And we could stop right there, couldn't we? We could stop right there and preach a whole message. Study. What does the preacher need to do? Study. What does a church member sitting in the pew need to do? Study. Study. Open the Word of God. 
as the revelation, as the inerrant, infallible, the, the Bible that is without error and the Bible that is incapable of error, inspired of God, open up the Word of God, let the revelation of God speak to your heart, let the illumination of the Spirit, who Paul says in verse 10, searches all things, let Him give you the understanding. But church, you will never get it if you don't study it. No one ever learned the Bible through osmosis. And those people that implore human means to, to preach a human message to get crowds do so because they don't study. Preachers who go to different churches every three or four years do so because they don't study. They preach their Bible college notes and then they move on to the next church so they can preach the same old stale messages again and nobody's the wiser because it's a new congregation. Because they don't study. And I can't expect the church to study if I don't study. John MacArthur, when I was taking some classes at the Master's Seminary, taking the expository preaching class at the Master's Seminary, he told us one time in the opening classes, he says, I study for one sermon 40 hours. For one sermon. Like, whoa. Study. He says, no, man, he says, that's not the, he says, that's not the standard. He says, that's just me. He says, but you've got to study. He says, you may miss, he says, I'll never forget this. He said, you may miss your tea time, but you've got to study. And I thought, well, I don't play golf anyway. I play badly, so okay, we, I may miss my coffee break. Sorry, we don't have tea time. We have, we have coffee time. We don't have a little spot of tea oven. No, we have coffee. <laughs> but you got to study. Folks, listen. To get the illumination, you got to study. Paul goes on to say, study to show yourself what? Approved to God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. How, how can we stand before God and not be ashamed? Rightly dividing the word of truth. Listen, it just, it just ruffles my feathers to, to, be, to be going down the road, listening to a man on the radio, or I don't listen to the radio much, to be listening to a man uh, on the internet. Uh, you can do that mobily these days. Listening to a man on the internet preach And he just, and, I'm, and I listen, and you guys have done it too. You listen to this guy speak, and you say, where in the world did that come from? Where did he get that interpretation? Some preacher was preaching on 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. Y'all know that passage. If my people who are called by my... <laughs> and this dear, dear brother came up to me one time, and he said... He said, Pastor, I want the one doing the preaching. He said, Pastor, he said, let me tell you something. He says, if that passage is preached out of context, one more time. <laughs> right? That's an easy one to preach out of context. But the man of God and the person sitting in the pew, if they'll study the Word of God, they won't do it. 
Study to show yourself approved unto God so that you can rightly divide the word of truth. You know, the word of God is made to be dissected. And as you dissect it, you get the big picture. First thing, when I sit down at my desk, and when I first sit down in my office, my study, on, uh, on Monday mornings, the very first thing I do, because it's a good thing, that's a good thing about being an expository preacher, Blue. I know the next passage that I'm going to, uh, that I'm going to be preaching. I don't have to wait for the Holy Spirit to write in the sky Saturday afternoon, um, because I know it Sunday morning when I'm done, I know what I'm preaching on the next week. And, and I sit down at my desk first thing, and I take out the, I take out the verse, I've got this big computer monitor on that was that was that I've had for years. I got this big, huge, thirty-two-inch computer monitor on my desk. Drives my wife crazy because she can't see my pretty face while I'm sitting over there studying. And I can and I can and I can duck in behind that computer monitor, and nobody knows I'm there. It's beautiful. None of the students know I'm there. My wife doesn't know I'm there, and all those kids just leave me alone. And I duck in behind that computer monitor, and I start diagramming these verses. Uh, Logan Panther came up to my desk a few weeks ago and she looked at my notepad, Brother Blue, and she said, what are you doing? And I told her what I was doing. She looked at me, you know what she said? She said, you're a dork. <laughs> but that helps me to rightly divide the word of truth. That helps me rightly divide the word of truth because the, the word of God is a, is a book that, is, that, need, that it needs to be divided. You've got verbs. You've got direct objects, you've got indirect objects, you've got object complements, you've got prepositional phrases, you've got subjects, you've got pregnomatives, okay, and predicate adjectives and all those other things. I had to give my wife a grammar lesson last night. <laughs> On that in Greek, you can have a direct, indirect object before the direct object. But we need to study the Word of God. And to receive that illumination, we need to study First thing, it produces a number of things in our life as we study the Word of God and receive that illumination. It produces into us a receptivity to the authority of God's Word. If we will sit back and study the Word of God and receive its illumination, then the Word of God does an amazing thing in that it, it increases the Word of God's authority in our life. Okay, you, we do understand that we are under the authority of the Word of God. That's one of the reasons why we don't implore the, mean, the methods and the means and the principles of man. It's because as Emmanuel Baptist Church, as your pastor, I am under the authority of the Word of God. And as you study the Word of God, the receptivity of that authority, it, it, it increases in your life. But not only does it increase the receptivity of its authority, but it also increases the conviction of the truthfulness of the Word of God. Because I know you, you as well as I, as you study the Word of God, you see the Word of God come to life in full color in your life every day. You see the principles and the truth of God's Word come to, come to life in your being and in your places you go and the things you do every day of your life. And the third thing it does is by studying the Word of God, it helps us lean more and depend more on the discernment of the Holy Spirit. And that's Paul's point. That's Paul's point. The ministry, the church, the gospel, how many people come, how many people don't come, is by the Spirit of God. And He's in charge. My charisma doesn't teach you a thing. He is in charge. The Spirit of God is what illuminates our mind. It is the Spirit that is the test because it is the Spirit that investigates the deep things of God. 
Because listen, folks, I can't fathom in my life, I can't fathom anything any deeper than God saving sinners. All right, you've got, you've got all these doctrines that are great doctrines. You've got all these things, of, of much of which we don't understand everything. But the thing that I can't fathom the, and that is the deepest understanding for me is why on earth would God save sinners? And it is the Spirit that opens up the heart of the dead sinner and allows him to respond to grace. It is the Spirit that opens up his heart, gives him regenerating life, and allows him to respond to the call of the gospel. Why God would do that, I can't fathom it. But it is the Spirit of God that does it. It is the Spirit that gives the sinner the, the understanding and the capacity to accept truth. Folks, what's the purpose of all this? What's the purpose of Paul's words? It's the Spirit. It's the Spirit. Everything that happens in the church, it's the Spirit, folks. We don't have to depend upon methods. We don't have to depend upon means. We don't have to depend upon charisma because it's the Spirit. And listen, when things get tight, when things seem to go bad, when things seem to be frustrating, Listen, it's not going to be the methods and the means of men that get us through this, but it's going to be the knowledge of knowing this is God's work, this is the Spirit's work, and He's responsible. You know, we don't like the trials that God takes us through most of the time, don't we? Do we? All of us have been through some things that we wouldn't, work, we wouldn't wish on our worst enemies. But wow, can you look back in your life right now and whatever day this is, what's today, the 23rd, 24th, something like that? Can you look back on your day, October 24th, 2021, and can you look back and say, you know, yes, I am a stronger believer because of what God has taken me through? If you can't, if you're just bitter because of what the things that God has taken you through, then watch out, you're going to go through them again. You're going to go through them again. But if you look back and say, you know, yeah, not everything that happened in my life was pretty. Not everything that happened in my life was enjoyable. But boy, I can honestly say that I can look back on my life tonight and I can say, yes, I am a better person because of the things that God took me through. Yes, I, Lord, I do trust you more tonight than I did 10 years ago. I do believe tonight more than ever that you can do what you said you were going to do. And you know why God does that? Because many times, folks, God puts us in a position where the only thing we can do is look up. If God kept us in a position where we could look up or look out, we'd always look out, wouldn't we? Because that's our nature. That's our fallenness in us that's still there. We'd always look out. But there are many times that God puts us flat on our backs where all we can do is look up. And as we look up, the Spirit of God uses that to teach us that's the only place you need to look is up. I will take care of it. I promise you, I will. Just look to me and trust me and keep moving forward. Folks, listen, it's not going to be the methods of men in Emmanuel Baptist Church that's going to give you that hope. It's going to be the Spirit of God working through the Word of God, illuminating your mind that's going to give you that hope. And that's it. 
That's why you've got believers that have been saved for 20, 30 years that have never, that, that have the same fights today that they had the first years that they were born again. Because they've never been taught to look up. It's the Spirit's business. And there's one thing that the Apostle Paul wants us to know in these 16 verses. And this, and this is important stuff. I know this feels like sometimes it's kind of slow going, but this is important stuff because this really is going to play a role in the rest of the book, in the rest of the letter. And there's one thing the Apostle Paul wants us to know in these 16 verses is that it is the work of the Spirit and the Spirit alone. It is only the Spirit that regenerates the power of illumination. And Paul's point is that we need to understand the Word of God. And as the church, it's easy, it's tempting to want to incorporate man's wisdom. That's tempting. But all we need is the wisdom of God. And all we need is the Spirit of God. Because the wisdom of man will lead you down a dark path to where there is no getting out of it. Man's wisdom leads to false disciples, doesn't it? God's wisdom leads to genuine disciples. I get pretty passionate about many things, and I'm thankful to God for that. My keyboard and uh, screen up here show how passionate I am. If spitting is an indication of passion. But folks, you have a pastor that's passionate about the gospel. You have a pastor that's passionate about the Spirit working through his people. You have, a, you have a pastor that's passionate about his people. You have a pastor that's very flawed, very sinful, very fleshy at times. But oh, you have a pastor that wants to do the right thing. And that God wants to be honored and he wants God honored and glorified. And I'm pretty passionate about some things, about many things, by the grace of God, and it's only Him. And there are a lot of times I get through preaching, especially on Sunday mornings, I get through preaching and I'll call one of the boys aside, and sometimes I'll even ask my wife going down the road. Um, sometimes I don't. Because I don't want a smart aleck answer. But sometimes I'll ask my boys, I'll say, was I too hard? Was I mean? He said, Pastor, do you really expect them to tell you the truth? Well, I hope they do. Because I get passionate about souls. I get passionate about false gospel, the false gospel being preached. I get passionate about God's people not being told the truth. I get passionate about God's people being drawn away by these liars and these charlatans on the television. I get sick to death. I get physically sick in my stomach at some of these preachers that I see on television. I get sick on my stomach to listen 
to some of these people because I know that they're preaching something that isn't true. And I know that that type of wisdom leads to false disciples. And I know that God's wisdom leads to genuine disciples. And I know that that's what we need. We don't need Smile and Joel with his false gospel of human effort and self-esteem to get people to heaven. We need the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't need Stephen Furtick in his skinny jeans preaching a false message. We need the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we need. And Paul speaks about the fact in verse 10 that, that the Holy Spirit is a researching spirit, but he also searches the deep things of God. The word deep there is bathos, and it literally speaks about that which is uh, physically non-discernible or non, it's not able to be perceived. It, it's knowledge that's so remote that it's difficult to understand. Literally, we could, we could interpret it, the Spirit uh, searches the profound things of God. And I can't, like I said before, I can't think of one area of theology that is even more profound than the, than the area of the gospel. And when men use physical means to understand the gospel, all that produces, folks, is physical results. An Old Testament synonym for this bathos, this Greek word, is, would be the word unsearchable. The Spirit gives us the ability to understand those things that are normally unsearchable. And Paul wants to emphasize over and over again that it is the Spirit and only the Spirit of God that is able to search the profound things of God in order to give us the understanding that we need. And he is emphasizing that the fact that we must depend on that Spirit and not only rely on, his, not rely on our own wisdom or our own ability. Because we will never, ever be able to understand the profound things of God. I just want to make mention to you the fact that Paul uses the word us in verse 10. Remember that? Us, the indirect object? <laughs> he uses the word us in verse 10. He uses the word we in verse 12 and the, and the usage of the word we in verse 16. And so who is Paul addressing? He's addressing believers. Folks, listen. Only believers have the availability of the Spirit. And it takes the Spirit to awaken the dead sinner. Only believers, through the help of the Spirit of God, are able to dig into the depths or the profound truths of God. That's another emphasis in verse 14, right? That Paul says, the natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God. Because they're why? They're foolishness to him, and he cannot know them because they're spiritually discerned. Or spiritually, literally in the Greek, it's spiritually appraised. Well, number one, we have a revealing spirit. Number two, we have a researching spirit. Number three, we have a reflecting spirit spirit uh, verse 11 we'll just spend just a moment here for what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of man which is in him even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God to illustrate for us the Holy Spirit's unique qualifications for revealing his word Paul compares the spirit's knowledge of to, of God's mind 
to a human being's knowledge of his own mind. When Brother Blue and I were talking last Sunday evening, we brought up the fact in our conversation that, that humans or mankind are the only creation by God that are able to contemplate their own thoughts. We're able to contemplate our own thoughts. And the point is, is that no person could ever know himself or never know another person as well as he knows himself. Even husbands and wives who have lived together for dozens of years and have freely shared their thoughts and dreams, problems, joys, never come to know their mates as intimately as those people know themselves individually. Yes, she thinks not. But the Word of God says... You ever heard a person says, I know them better than they know themselves? And although that's cliche, and maybe many of you wives can say that about your husbands, well, I know him better than he knows himself. The fact is, nobody knows themselves better than themselves. Because you say, why, Pastor? Because only that person truly knows what's in their heart. Because no one has the ability to know the heart of man. Our innermost thoughts, the deep recesses of our hearts and our minds, are only known by ourselves. And in a similar way, only God's own Spirit can know Him intimately. Just think with me for a moment, folks, that as the Spirit of God dwells within us and illuminates our minds, and He is the only one that has the ability to know the mind of the Father, and He reveals that to us. That's why Paul says at the end of this chapter, we have the mind of Christ. How do we have the mind of Christ? Because we have the Spirit living inside of us that knows the mind of Christ, and only the Spirit knows the mind of Christ. Well, that's good stuff. And I understand God as much as the Spirit will allow me to understand God because the Spirit knows the mind of God. How can I know the will of God for my life? Because the Spirit tells me because the Spirit knows the mind of God. In wonder of wonders, it is the Spirit of God who intimately understands the profound things of God, the thoughts of God, and reveals them to us. Charles Hodge says, the knowledge of God in Christ is not a mere matter of intellectual apprehension that one person may communicate to another. It is a spiritual discernment. To be derived only from the Spirit of God. God must shine into our hearts to give us this knowledge. Classic example of this is found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16. Remember that? Remember Jesus, Jesus came up to the disciples and asked them in verse uh, four, asked them around verse 13, Who do men say that I am? Remember that? Who do men say that I am? And what was the answer given in verse 14? Well, they said, Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say, some say you're Elias, some others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then Christ asked this profound question, all right, who do you say that I am? Doesn't matter what everybody else thinks, what do you think? And Peter, big mouth Peter, who sometimes said the right thing. Somebody asked me, the Autumn asked me the other day, they said, she said, Pastor, who's your favorite disciple? And I said, Peter. She says, why Peter? I said, because he's so much like I am. He's always ready to open his mouth but says the right thing so few times. Uh, Peter and I are, we're pals. 
Now we're pals. I get Peter. Now what does Peter speak up and say in verse 16? You're the Christ. That's who we say you are. You're the Christ. The Son of the living God. And in that one statement, not only is Peter confessing the deity of Jesus Christ, because when Peter says you're the Son of God, he is acknowledging Christ's position in the Godhead as the eternal Son. But he is also confessing that he is the Messiah. The word Christ is the Greek word Christos, which means what? Messiah, the Messiah, the anointed one. And in that one statement, he affirms and reaffirms the deity of Christ and the Messiahship of Christ. You're not only the, you're not only the eternal, uh, the everlasting Son of God, but you are the chosen one. You are the Messiah. You are the one that we've been waiting for. Now notice what Christ's response is to that in verse 17. He says, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for, get this, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my what? Father, which is in heaven. Was it directly the Father or was it the Spirit? It was the Spirit, but who knew the mind of the Father. So the wisdom, the knowledge originated from the Father, but it was given to Peter by the Spirit. That's one of the ministries of the Spirit of God. You see, folks, biblical truth is objective. It is always outside of us. It is never subjective. I never uh, can come up with truth. The truth is always objective. It's always outside of us, always through the Word of God. Paul says in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 16, to reveal his Son in me that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. You know, you know what Paul is saying there? He's saying when God separated me from the moment of my conception, from the very moment of my conception, as far as Paul was concerned, from the very moment of his conception, Paul says, I was separated and I was called by his grace. Now this is from Paul's perspective, not God's perspective. From Paul's perspective, from the moment of my conception, I was separated and I was called by his grace. For what purpose? To show his son in me. For the purpose of preaching to others. And then what does Paul say? Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. I didn't go to man to try to get an understanding of that. I went to the Spirit. Because, folks, listen, flesh and blood will never teach you the truth. Because the profound things only the Spirit of God is able to reveal. And since the Spirit of God knows the mind of God, just like you know your own mind, you know right now what you're thinking. No one else does. Because there's a lot of times that we don't, I don't want to know what you're thinking. And you don't want to know what I'm thinking. Because you might be thinking not too nice thoughts about me on some things I say, but guess what? I may not be thinking nice, nice thoughts about you, so back at you. Let's keep this as an adult level. And since the Spirit of God knows the mind of God, just like you know your mind and you only know your mind, we go to the Spirit, and the Spirit only to get the wisdom of spiritual things. R.C. Sproul in his book, A Soul's Quest for God, if you have never read that book, I would encourage you to do so. The Soul's Quest for God. 
Uh, it gives us this enlightening as to why the spear is necessary. He says this, because it is possible to be exposed to divine revelation and yet remain ignorant of it. Something else is required for us to discern it. That something else is the illumination of the Holy Spirit. You can be looking right here, right at truth. You can open your Bibles. You're right here, you're looking at the truth. But, you're, but you need to constantly be, to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit to gain the understanding. John Calvin and his institute said this, Therefore the support of the Holy Spirit is necessary, or rather his power alone thrives here. He goes on to say, It is through the Spirit that we grasp the mind of Christ. And in Calvin's day, just like ours, he was facing the dangers of the charismatic movement, although it didn't go by that name, who, those people that were seeking dreams and visions. And Calvin came in and says, no, away with your dreams, away with your visions. That's not the way truth is revealed. The truth is revealed by the Word of God. Your dreams and your visions are false because your dreams and your visions contradict God's Word. Because the knowledge of God is incomprehensible, for, incomprehensible to us, church, we must have the Word of God. And even then, the Spirit will not reveal everything to us that we, that we may know about, that we may need to know about God. We, he only knows, He only reveals us what we need to know, not everything that we can know. I like what the Apostle Paul said when, he, when the Apostle was, Paul Apostle Paul was thinking about the gospel, thinking about God's relationship to Israel and thinking about how God is going to call Israel back. Notice what he says in chapter 11, verse 33. Oh, the depths. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Finally, at the end of the discussion, Paul just puts his hands in the air and says, I just don't understand, but how wonderful it is. God is so great. And God is so deep that it calls the psalmist to exclaim in Psalm 139.6, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, I cannot attain unto it. Now that's with the Holy Spirit. How in the world can anybody think that they can receive understanding subjectively or within themselves? It's a mystery to me. And do not be surprised when those efforts end in utter failure it is the spirit it is the revealing spirit it is the researching spirit and it is the reflecting spirit it's the spirit folks it's the spirit that's a work in our hearts let's bow our heads in prayer father we thank you for your word thank you for its power and its truth and i trust father that the word of god was clear tonight we thank you and we praise you for this time that we've had together. Bless these dear folks as they go from this place and face the battles of life. Give them the strength that they need through the power of the Spirit to live victoriously in you. We thank you and we praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.